0: listening to data plus love this week i'm talking to sarah bartlett you probably know her as a prolific tweeter but more importantly she is the london tug co lead a Tableau public ambassador and more recently a tabloism master welcome to the show sarah how are you tonight
1: i'm good thanks zach how are you
0: doing good see i'm getting better at intros now because i didn't ask how does this day find you which there is no uh normal sounding answer to
1: There's really not. Not right now.
0: No, there's not. Uh, Anyway, um, it's very nice to talk to you this evening. As I've said before, you are incredibly prolific. So one of the ways I knew you before I knew you was because I was just getting hammered with your tweets all the time, Uh, particularly at the time I first met you in person was in New Orleans in uh, the Tableau Conference of 2018.
1: Yeah, I remember it well.
0: It was kind of surreal when I first met you in person, because I walked into a, I think Mike Cisneros was speaking, and you and Ken Fleurledge were down on the front row and saw me and recognized me, which was weird, because you shouldn't have. Uh, And then you guys waved me down to sit in front of, like, between the two of you, which was also very weird, because I was uh, very new, and you guys were very established, but you were very welcoming and open, and uh, I just appreciate that, so thank you.
1: Oh, that was great. It was, that was one of the best sessions. And in that session I met so many people for the first time. So like uh, Susan Glass, uh, Sue Grice, you, um, I think there's other people in there. It was just a whole room full of people that I'd like followed on Twitter for a long time, but not actually met in person. And the session was awesome. Like one of the best I've I've been to.
0: Was that the one where he did the long pause at the end?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I was telling him, I thought that was particularly effective and he was saying, I'm, I'm glad because that was a bit of a risk, you know, like anytime you have a, Dead air is a potential uh, risk to lose your audience. I mean, it's weird enough on a podcast, but in person, it's that much more awkward because people yeah. sort of want to fill the space.
1: It was, it, it, it had, it definitely had the right effect. I think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I think he found the right gig working with Cole. So that's definitely a great fit for him being oh, yeah, able to certainly. speak in person all the time. Yeah. So, speaking of work, um, you have been up to quite a bit of stuff lately uh, with your public work, uh, most specifically Iron Quest. So, Iron Quest is if I were to sum it up, and I'm going to have you correct me when I'm done Iron Quest is the rocky training montage for uh, I, Iron, sorry, um, for Iron Viz. So, yep. this is the running up the stairs in Philadelphia uh, that will lead you to the stage in the mandalay bay
1: yeah i guess so i I, that's not so that's not how i would describe it um i the reason i started iron quest was because i thought wouldn't it be good if you had a way of practicing for the feeders during the year even if you have no intention of getting up on stage right just practicing those kind of visits um i I thought there was that kind of a gap in the market for that
0: There absolutely is. my 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 explanation was way cooler though oh yeah 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 definitely (laughs) definitely (laughs) But, um, but no, but-
1: Iron Quest has been insane <laughs> like this month. It's every single day there's like a sensational, if not if not two sensational visits, um, and then the next day brings another one, and it's it's just like so hard just to keep on top of everything. It's people are really going for it.
0: So what what really inspired you to do that? I mean, have you enjoyed in the past doing Iron Viz feeders, or is it, I mean, there seems to be a particular kind of Viz that is like an Iron Viz feeder Viz. And it yep. seems like this is definitely the market in terms of the public uh, for those. Um, has that always been a draw to you personally or what made you want to do Iron Quest?
1: So obviously I was in IronVis Europe. Um, so that was a big driver for that. But when when I entered IronVis Europe, uh, so IronVis Europe works slightly differently where they pick the top three, um, feeders, uh, like winners and they get on stage. just, you don't have three separate feeders like you do for global. But when I did that, um, that was my first ever, I entry. Um, and it ended up with me on stage, which I completely didn't expect at all when I entered. Um, and then the rest of that year, I didn't enter any more iron Visas. I mean, I was, <laughs> iron envis out, right? Um, so I sat back, watched the feeders and, and it was great. There's always a buzz around the, the feeders, you know, as they're coming in, all, all the visits are coming in. And then I did um, Fanalytics at the conference that year in New Orleans. And it was with Simon Beaumont and a few other people on the table and we were talking about Iron Viz. And it was after that session, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be really good if there's a way to, for people to practice? Because there was a lot of sentiment at the time around, oh, like, I'd, I'd never get, I'm never going to win, so why should I enter? Or my skills aren't good enough um, for entering Iron Viz, therefore I'm not going to enter. Uh, and at the same time, obviously there's projects like Make of a Monday that, that I love and that are very dear to my heart, but when you do Make for Monday, um, everyone has like the same, everyone's visualizing the same data set and you get a lot of the things that look the same. So, which is great. And that people are learning, but I thought wouldn't it be good if there's some kind of variety and something that people can actually use where they have to source their own data as well. Cause that's one major difference with, uh, Ironvis, why Ivis Iron feeders you actually have to source your own data whereas you kind of spoke of makeover Monday because it's provided for you so I thought if I could provide something where people get to practice that skill and also practice building like longer visits or more complex visits than they would for makeover Monday I thought that it might be a platform for that
0: I think there's definitely a lot of value to that because makeover Monday I I hesitate to say this because I don't want Andy or either or Charlie to feel like I'm, I'm slinging anything towards it. Makeover Monday was definitely so important to my development, mm-hmm. but I think there's almost a certain point where a lot of like more mature analysts need to move past makeover Monday where makeover Monday is a great exercise. The idea is to sort of build some of those muscles to be able to crank out a quick viz that does a good, you know um, surface analysis of something, mm-hmm. but you know, Sometimes you see people. It's like you definitely did four hours on this Makeover Monday. Like the yeah. idea is to crank something out quickly, which definitely shows up in your work product at work. Like when you're under the gun, you have to perform something quickly. Those Makeover Monday muscles kick in, but the uh, iron the Iron Viz muscles, like the deep, robust analysis, which is showing you know the high levels of detail. Uh, digging down to the granularity, showing filters and all the advanced features, like there definitely needed to be an arena for that as well. Um, and I think you're very perceptive in noticing that and creating an opportunity for that. Um, what What was it like to kick this off? Like, did you do this all on your own? Did you partner with anyone else or how did you do it?
1: Um, so it, I mean, effectively it's all on my own. So at, when I had this crazy idea that I just described, I, I thought, you know, this is crazy. It's not going to work. So I ran it past, uh, either actually. So I was a bit worried. I didn't want to tread on making Monday's toes because especially with the feedback element, that's, that's part of Iron Quest. Uh, so we had a call and I was like, you know, I want to do this thing. Like, first of all, can you tell me if it sounds like really stupid? And, and second of all, um, I hope you realize I'm not looking to like take over from Makeup on Monday. Makeup a Monday will still remain and this is something completely different. And she was like yeah no it sounds great like you go, go ahead. Um so yeah so I set it up all on my own but as you know uh, every month I have a co-host so that takes off some of the strain on the feedback. So the co-hosts primarily primarily, prime primal role is to just help me with the feedback on the, so we do a feedback call every month uh, and we have this great conversation it lasts typically around one and a half to two hours where we go a few, through and review all of the visits that have been entered and where people have selected that they actually want feedback. And so we tend to have this great conversation and that through doing that. I've teamed up with so many different people um, from the community. So that's, that's been really nice, but all of the admin and everything is it's just me. So, yeah. That's really
0: cool. And I, I definitely appreciate sort of not asking permission, but sort of checking in with other people. Before I started this podcast, I talked to some about, Hey, I'm interested in doing something. I'm thinking about doing this. I want you to know, I have no intention of stepping on your toes. This isn't, this isn't competition for you. This is just a different venue. And I think, you know, what you've done with Iron Quest is markedly different from Makeover Monday. And mm-hmm. what I'm doing with this is markedly different from, you know, Tableau Wannabe, for example. Yeah. Um, you have several people like Kate Schaub and Kevin Furlidge that I think have done every single uh, Iron Quest so far. How many, I mean, do you know of any others that are doing that or it's, they're like super fans, right?
1: Yeah. So Kevin hasn't. So correction, <gasps> he has not completed at all. Um, he's, I think he's, a couple of behind uh, there was a couple of months he didn't participate but yeah kate definitely has mira i think she has as well or she might be missing one um frederick ferry has done quite a few as well um so yeah there's they're the they're the core kind of uh, people and then we've got people like michelle Freeman and uh, she tends to enter every month um there's a lot there's there's a lot of people
0: that's that's spectacular um and congratulations on all the just all the excellent viz that are coming out attached to your brilliant project. So thank you for giving a uh, a gym where people can work out and uh, develop those iron viz muscles.
1: <laughs> thank you. I pr- merely provide the platform and the idea. It's everyone else's work that goes into it. I, I sometimes, I mean, I rarely actually enter myself because I end up getting bogged down with other things. Um, but it's just great. I, I mean, I love the creativity that everyone brings and the way that they take the topic and just make it their own, especially this month where we're looking at quantified self and people visualizing data about their own lives. It's really nice to see.
0: So you are a London tug co-lead, which is one of the biggest tugs that I'm aware of. I am a (laughs) Memphis tug co-lead, which is one of the smallest tugs I'm aware of outside of Kate Shaw, which is the sole member of the big sky tug. Um, What's it like um, being a leader of such a large tug? Uh, how are you organized? And sort of what does a mature tug bring to the table that sort of a new tug doesn't?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been a, a leader of that tug for coming up to what will be four years this year, I think. Um, so there's there's five of us that run it. So I, I, you may think that's a lot, but there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes. So we've got Paul Chapman, um, Laura Sanford, Pablo Gomez. And David Perez and myself. So no
0: one we've ever heard of.
1: No, just some, no, but no yeah, some random yeah, yeah. nobody's. Um and I mean we've changed a few times over, over the years. So Paul Benoob was involved before. Um so yeah, so that we had a couple of like changes, but it's, and we all do different roles. So like Pablo is like our like uh, graphics and like video guy. So he, he records all the events. He does all these amazing like graphics and videos for the website uh, and everything. He's completely on that. He's like the equivalent of like David Murphy, like Datasaurus Rex, but in London. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, that's great. But I mean, I guess when I joined, they were already very established. So, and I'd say that we are we're very spoilt in London. So we tend to have a planning meeting once a year, generally in like December or January. And we'll literally plan out the entire year and we'll have a wish list of speakers and, and we'll aim high. Like that we'll put names on there that we know we're never going to get. Um, but you know, there's no harming asking like, Hey, are you are going to be passing through London at some point in the next 12 months. Would you want to come and talk at our group? Uh, we've had people obviously say no. We've had people that have tried to charge us money uh, for them to come. I'm not going to say any names, but big, famous people in the data viz world. Um, but most of the time people will say yes. Or, you know, if I'm in the area, then yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. And through doing that, we've managed to get huge names. Like we've had Cole and a and multiple times. We've had Alberto Cairo. We've had uh, Andy Kirk, Andy Cockreave, um, just some big names from the data visualization world, as well as famous names from the, from the Tableau world as well. But I'd say that we're very spoilt in that sense because people that are in, you know, more remote areas are going to struggle to get speakers of that caliber. Right. Um, so we, uh, I'd say London Tug almost kind of runs itself. Like we run it like clockwork and we run it at the Tableau office most of the time. So we get to, you know, piggyback off their great like infrastructure and they help us with the food, um, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, I'd say it would be much more difficult to run a smaller tug where they, you have less attendees. So I do feel for you in
0: Memphis. <laughs> we, we've, uh, we've alternated between about 20 and about 70. Our last tug was mid-February, which was our our best tug in terms of content. We had Steve Wexler and Anna Ford in town, which was huge. And then that effectively is the last time our tug has met uh, thanks to COVID. (laughs) Because frankly, when you have such a small tug trying to assemble a virtual tug, when there's already so many other like big tugs out there already doing great content, you're just way better off referring people to those until you're able to sort of reconvene particularly with such a new tug and sort of a sort of transient population in Memphis. Like a lot of people come here from other places. They're not here that long. A lot of people are new. So some of the biggest things people are wanting from our tug is like hands-on training, which is one of the most difficult things to execute in a tug, particularly when your leadership group is, you know, three people.
1: Yeah. I'd say, I mean, we, we should do more of that in London, but um, it's we've got such a mixed group. So you'll have beginners, students, businessmen, like execs, like all different levels looking to get different things out of it. And I guess we kind of leave it to them to pick and choose which which events they'll go to. So we, we tend to theme events around, uh, it might be a new features or we'll have a community event or a customer story event uh, and then, you know, let the audience decide which one they want to attend.
0: So this year has been a really big year for you. Um, This is the year you've obviously become a newly minted tableau and master, which is Um, well-deserved. What's that change like Um, all of a sudden sort of being elevated to this level? You're obviously getting a lot of attention. Um, Does it feel different? Does it feel the same? What's it like?
1: I guess. Okay. So first of all, it came as a big surprise that I never expected to get that like, Zen master. And I honestly say that from the bottom of my heart, I didn't expect it at all. Um, so it came and I was like in shock for a long time. Still in shock now, I guess. I think that was in February. Um, and then <laughs> COVID hit, right? So it's been a, a very strange time. So I guess the the big celebration of of like the community and Zen masters and ambassadors happens at conference and there's not really going to be a conference this year so that's obviously you know put a spanner in the works for that as well and it, that's kind of the time that you celebrate getting that title and so it's it's very strange I think to to be in that situation at this time but in terms of changing anything I guess nothing's really changed in 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 that sense i'm trying to speak at more events so i've i've kind of put myself out there to say look i want to speak at tugs and this situation right now is ideal for that because it means i don't have to travel but i can speak at all these tugs regardless of where they are in the world so i mean i've spoken at delhi tug i spoke at netherlands tug this week i've got norway tug next week um and then i've got a few other ones lined up as well so i'm kind of like touring the world (laughs) from my desk um and speaking at different user groups which is fantastic and you know i love to spread uh, the message of like the community and getting certified and talking about iron quest and just topics that I'm passionate about. Um, so yeah, that's been good, but I'd say that other than that, everything is pretty much how it was before. Um, and it's just a very unique time to, to be in a Zen master.
0: You're such a social butterfly. So like this opportunity to speak in so many different places, to so many different groups is just like such a perfect opportunity for you. Um, so that's that's amazing. I mean, it is a bummer that the conference is not happening physically this year, that it's definitely going to be different and everyone's sort of trying to brace themselves for whatever that means at this point. Yeah. Um, it was sort of inevitable because between the fact that there's fears about COVID still being an issue then, obviously, but on top of that, the fact that most employers have taken some sort of financial hits and are much less likely to finance people's conference travels. Yeah. Um which is obviously also a big detriment to the conference. It's much harder to expect such a large crowd if you know you're counting on people mostly paying out of pocket. Yeah. Um, are you enjoying your secret tableau Zen Master tattoo? And are you afraid of having to take it off with a cheese grater next year if you don't return?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I'm. I, I mean, whatever happens, happens. You know. I can. Obviously, I've got this title now. It's a huge honor. And you know, I want to I want to serve it well. So I want to do as absolutely everything I can uh while I have that title to kind of maximize it. So that's why you'll see me getting involved in in so many different things. You know, I really want to try my best. I've got this far. Um and I want to give back to the community as best as I can for helping me get that recognition. So yeah, but I do not I have the do. tattoo yet. I don't even have a rock. I uh, guess <laughs> the rock, the whole that whole thing like went out of the window with uh, with COVID as well. So we d-
0: we need uh-huh. stuff that is non-permeable that COVID doesn't <laughs> attach to, and we need for British tattoo parlors to reopen immediately because she's only got like nine months left to have this tattoo. Potentially, guys, this is important.
1: And I don't um, even have any swag. I have nothing. Like, nothing nothing no official.
0: Swag. No. <laughs> I mean, Jordan, are you listening? She needs swag. Um, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so I've, I've been looking at your portfolio before we started talking today. And I mean, not only do you have a plethora of visas, you've got 152 visible and I'm assuming some hidden that are worth there's, there's one
1: hidden. You'll see it one soon. Hidden. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I have like two or three hidden, like some of which are just like goofy logos or something I developed and some <laughs> of which are, I think like, like an embarrassing failure I just gave up on. Um, but I've been, I've been scrolling through looking at it and some people, you look at their portfolios and you definitely pick up on a certain visual style and other people are much more eclectic. You seem to be more in the eclectic school and you seem to have really embraced mixed media. Like you're very good at incorporating images and outside elements into your visas in ways that seem totally organic and natural. And in many ways, many of your visas seem more like infographics or almost website content, uh, which is, I think something that Tableau, like- hopefully evolves more natively towards like with some of the buttons and stuff like that, we're getting more towards, you know, that sort of operation organically. But um, I've really enjoyed looking at it. Is there a particular, like, do you have an ethos when you're developing? Like, is there a topic that you're particularly passionate about that is a theme or like what draws you to a make a viz about something?
1: You know what? I don't really know. <laughs> so you're right. I don't have a style. I wish I did. I'm envious of anybody that's got a, a unique style. Like someone like Mira, like you can look at her vises and you know that that's a Mira viz. I would love to have a, a style like that. And I, I don't, I'm all, all over the place. Like every viz is different. I approach every viz differently as well. Um, it, sometimes I know exactly what I want to do about even like working with the data set much. Other times I'll work with it for ages and not come up with anything. Um, I'd say, you know, um, There's not, I don't, I I don't like sports visits. I I don't like working with sports data. I'll tell you that now. You won't find many sports visits on my profile. There's a few, but not many. Um, I don't get it. I don't, I don't like looking at like baseball data or basketball data. Um, But I think just things, topics about the world interest me. Uh, Music is something that interests me as well. Anything that's economics related. because I've come from an economics background. So I've got a degree in economics. Uh, So that interests me, but yeah just uh, things like this for social good is something that I enjoy. Uh, so like, you know, visualizations that look at like doing good in the world, things like that.
0: I appreciate that. I see that you have a whole lot of um, public exercises from the makeover Mondays that Workout Wednesdays, yeah. which honestly I love the entire workout Wednesday crew, like workout Wednesday. And I'm saying this as someone that had one of their visits featured as a workout Wednesday. So I feel really terrible saying this workout Wednesday is like the last thing I ever want to do because that's what every day at work feels like. It's like, here's an insurmountable technical problem. Now have it done by three o'clock. And it's like, that's what workout Wednesday feels like. And I think a certain personality is drawn to that. But today I'm like, oh God, not more.
1: I I haven't actually done many workout Wednesdays. I've done more than you'll see on my profile. I don't always publish them, but they stress me out sometimes. Like there was, I think it was in Berlin last year, I sat next to Andy Creeble and we were both participating in workout Wednesday. So it was, and Jackson was there and, and Lorna, they were both leading it. And uh, halfway through, I just slammed my laptop down and walked out because I'm like, I'm not doing this. And Andy thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and there was no way I was obviously going to ask him for help, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I not, I, I love, I love the, the ethos of it. And I, I, I refer people to it. And if they are, if they're featuring something that, you know, maybe they're covering a new feature uh, in Tableau, which they're great at, then I'll take a look because it's a really good way of, you know, having that pre-made exercise ready for you to learn from. Uh, And people like Sean Miller and and obviously Lorna and all the leaders, they put up um, solution videos, which are really, really helpful uh, to kind of figure out how to get to them. But um, I don't do it every week, I must say. I'd say 90% of my profile is Makeover Monday. That was how I got started.
0: Definitely. I, like, I'm seeing a lot of those in there. The Steph Curry's, the rat sightings, the uh, yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks viz, which is the angle you and I both took on the NHL uh, makeover Monday. I mean, it's the most obvious yeah. thing. It's like a team that went from like least popular in terms of attendance the most, you know? Yeah.
1: I remember looking at that and thinking, obviously I had no idea like who they were and, but the data was really interesting. So I did a lot of research and that's what I tend to do. I, I enjoy that part. I'd say most is actually doing the research behind any visualization that I build.
0: So I know a Viz that you were passionate about, and I know this because you've tweeted about him multiple times outside of references to the Viz. Tell me about your Stormzy Viz. So stormzy is a rapper from the uk i believe yeah and i'm saying that uh having misspelled his name three different times as we were typing up the show notes today it's been a yep. long day guys i've known this right after work but um tell me about this viz where it came from and how much you love stormzy
1: so i don't love stormzy that much um but stormzy was an avenue for something so i really wanted to do a viz over christmas and um, to keep me busy over the christmas period uh, and i wanted to do a viz on grime music so grime is kind of like I guess the, the best way of putting it is the the uk equivalent of like hip-hop right but it, we we have hip-hop but we also have grime and it's kind of it's rora it's um just different Americans don't get it you can watch lots of videos on YouTube with Americans watching grime artists and they're just like what is this <laughs> uh, this is terrible and so I guess Stormzy comes from from that like background like he's probably more mainstream now but essentially he he's a, a, a a grime artist at heart and I thought wouldn't it be good to to do a viz on grime and the history of grime now, I realized that was going to be too difficult, so I picked Stormzy. I can't really remember why, um, but I think, I, yeah, I was listening. He had a new album out at the time. I thought, let me pick Stormzy. He's won lots of awards. He's done lots of stuff. And I just picked different things that I could measure. So, like, I looked at his um performance of his songs and his uh, albums in the charts and just different stories around that because Stormzy's quite famous for doing these political kind of um, live performances maybe at the Brit Awards or Glastonbury um he's I'm not going to swear but he's like got songs where he talks about Boris Johnson and he makes his feelings towards Boris Johnson very clear and gets the crowd to sing along um and things like that he he did the um the walk-on music for um one of the famous boxers if you scroll you're looking at the biz now Joshua White Uh, Yeah, Anthony Joshua and and, uh, Dylan White, I think it was, they had a famous boxing match and he played one of his songs at the beginning. And that was kind of where he became quite famous as a result of that. He's also a huge YouTube star. So I thought these were all really good things I could actually measure. Um, and that's how this viz came about. One of the
0: things I really love about this viz is your alignment is just like impeccable so uh, in terms of like good design sense you're very good at just like including so much white space to allow your information to breathe so it's not overwhelming I mean this is a long form viz it's it's there's a bit of scrolly telling here it's not excessive but you know it's you're scrolling down the page and you feel like you're navigating a website but at the same time like You've spaced everything out nicely. Things are aligned in a way where you're not, it doesn't feel like a dozen elements. It feels like less because they're concentrated and connected mentally in your head. And your use of color is very sort of deliberate. Um, You don't go overboard with it. And it's just like, this is an excellent viz for people to look at if they're wanting to tell a long form story about, I mean, in this case, an individual, but you could just choose a topic and break down the details in a fashion like this. And this is like a master's class and how to do that.
1: Yeah. There's a funny story behind this viz. So I, I was getting feedback from Hesham, so Hesham from Iron Viz fame. Uh, and um, he gave me a real hard time. Like I would send the viz to him and he would just slate it like, you need to change this, your alignment's off. This looks terrible. And then I'd go back to the drawing. Board, do it again, okay? Hashim, there you go. Like, what do you think now? And <laughs> back to square one again. Um, so I guess I could credit him for it for the precision on the design.
0: I've I've been there because um, there most vises like people give you slight nudges. Like some people are. My I did a Back to the Future timeline viz which is this weird unorthodox timeline. And I was like, I was getting the most wild reactions in one direction or another on that. Like, um, I sent it to Steve Wexler, expecting him to be like, this is not a good chart. It's like, it pretty much works. And I'm like, okay, wow. And then I sent it to another friend who's more of much more of a design friend. And he's like everything you're doing here is wrong. Don't do this. And- <laughs> I do
1: remember the debate about that because like, you had a weird timeline, right? It didn't run in like a, like a continuous pattern.
0: Right. And it's like because Marty is aging, but he's also traveling in time. So where he is in time doesn't correspond to his age because he's older every second in time of the movie. So he's progressing yeah. right. But then he's moving up or down depending on where he is in the like timeline of everyone else. And uh, I'd seen other visits where people had tried to express the timeline of that future and ultimately ends up being like a zigzag down the page. I'm like, that kind of makes sense. I'd like to try my own unorthodox take on this. And this is what I came up with. I mean, it may or may not work, but I mean, ultimately the orange color, I chose chose this like orangey red color for the background that ended up being the singular biggest polarizing thing like for people like people either loved it or hated it yeah i mean it's fascinating like sometimes you just have to do a viz that's going to like irritate people i didn't mean to but it was fun
1: yeah and with this one i put this out full well knowing that nobody knew who Stormzy was and as a result of that some people were like yeah you know i really love his music i'm listening to it all the time Uh, and i was desperate for him to retweet it because at the time he was like really prolific on twitter so i kept like nudging him uh, he never did, but I actually met him like around that time as well. I went to one of his concerts and I managed to get my husband to like grab him, so we got a selfie. Uh, but I didn't mention the viz, I, I didn't have the courage. So, there you go. Oh,
0: come on. <laughs> so, another one of your visits that I particularly like, um, is the being the green sea turtle viz. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is you use the plum pudding chart on this, which I found was interesting.
1: Which, yeah, so this, this is a collaboration po- before you with Kevin. With ah, Kevin.
0: okay, so that explains yeah. that because Kevin yeah. and Lindsay. The, the plum pudding chart made famous in the tableau community by kevin and Lindsay's cheetah viz um, yeah but yeah so this, what was the story behind this
1: yeah so this came after the cheetah viz so not long after um so we wanted to look so basically the, the story behind it is kevin found we, we decided we we're going to do a viz together this was for iron quest on sea creatures uh, and we decided that we do do a viz on, on sea creatures we did, we thought turtles straight away we knew we were going to do turtles we both went away and started researching turtles and kevin found this website where they actually had real turtles that they were tracking so literally stuck a tracker on the back of these tur- turtle shell and they were like tracking them around and the the, the uh he found this uh, turtle called bean Uh, who's in costa rica uh, and she's swimming around and they've got all this data that can track where she is so we thought you know we haven't got enough data about bean per se to to do a biz on her but what we could do is just talk around the life cycle of a turtle because i mean the data is quite shocking so like out of every 100 sea turtles born only one actually survives to um, like full adulthood so like to become a, a mother uh, so and Bean is female so we thought that would be quite a, a quite a compelling story to tell so the plum pudding served as at every stage of their life you could see the number of sea turtles that were surviving and then it goes down to one at the end.
0: It's highly effective. The repetition of the plum pudding service is like a small multiple mixed in with your sort of narrative paragraphs leading down the page. And there's very clever use of photographs pinned in as if, almost as if this is like a kid's science fair project. Like that's what I thought of when I was looking at it. Yeah.
1: And do you you want to know a a funny story behind this as well? So like we published the viz and we planned for it to go out on a specific day. Like we just picked a day, you know, it wasn't, you know targeted for anything and it turned out that day was like sea turtle world conservatory day like it was it we couldn't have timed it better we we just happened to find the hashtag and i was like oh wow this is insane so we like we retweeted it again with the hashtag and actually contacted the the charity you see at the bottom of the viz and said to them like you know we've done this visualization you yeah, know would you mind uh, I think they might have seen it on Twitter but we said would you mind like promoting it or like tweeting it and they said yeah sure and they had a look and they were like one of the pictures in there isn't a sea turtle and Kevin had got the picture from like uh, is it like shutterstock or what well, he it paid for it like it was a, like official legit site uh, and it turned out it was a different type of turtle um so he had to go and basically work with them to get a picture of an actual sea turtle to put back in the viz
0: that's hysterical i mean oh it, this visit immediately catches your eye because the very first thing you see isn't a data visit element it's it's like a huge infographic and it's a giant sea turtle it says yeah. get to know bean the green sea turtle I'd be like okay now i'm sold because there's a personal element to the story and then as yeah. you're reading down it's all about you know the sea turtles as a whole but beans specifically and i just thought that was a very clever idea of how to represent this
1: yeah i remember when we were building it we put that image there and the, and the text before we did anything else so it was all built around that
0: and it's a great topic because as i talked about with kate schaub like nobody's anti-sea turtle and if you are Tweet anti sea turtle, uh, so we know who you are and can correctly ostracize you. Exactly. So on top of that, um, the un- the other viz that I sort of picked out of yours that I particularly liked is your pinned viz on your profile, which is your European cities on a bus, which yep. is a sort of it's a ton of information. Like, it's, it's so much, but it's done in such an elegant way. Like, frankly, when I looked at this viz, I'm like, oh, that's so much work. Like, that was my immediate, <laughs> res- immediate response because it's done so well and it's organized so clearly. You've got maps, you've got multiple chart types, and you've got all this clever little information which leads you to look at these different wonderful European cities that you can travel to. Um, but, like, as a viewer of it, you're looking, oh, that's fascinating. But as, like, the developer, I'm looking at this like yeah. – Oh, that's just a lot. Um, What was the idea (laughs) behind this? Was this for fun or what was the idea behind this? No, no. So
1: this is the biz that got me into uh, IronVis Europe. Oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah. So I always tell the story about this when I'm talking about Iron Quest. So basically uh, the feeder was announced. It was um, European cities. Now I knew straight away I didn't want to do a biz on London or Berlin or any obvious kind of cities. I wanted to do something on some more obscure cities that people may have not heard of. So I didn't really know where to, to go with that. Like I thought, could I focus in on one or or what? So I was like Googling and I was Googling so many things for like weeks, like probably like three weeks, just Googling European cities and just trying to see what I could find. And I eventually found this website called the priceoftravel.com, I think it was. And it was aimed at backpackers and it had the, the 59 like cheapest places you can travel to, or, or basically not cheapest, it was in order, but 59 places you can travel to on a budget in Europe and ranging from cheapest to most expensive um, and I thought this would be really great, but the website was, was horrendous. It was really old fashioned. The data wasn't in a very friendly wh- manner. So I actually messaged Lorna Eden, or Lor- Lorna Brown, she got married uh, and just said, you know, Lorna, like, can you help me like all tricks this or something <laughs> to scrape the data? Um, and within like 10 minutes, she'd done it. Like she sent me like a nice Excel file with all the data that I wanted. Uh, so then I used that. So I ended up just picking the top five. And I use that to, to drive all the information, you, well, most of the information you hit in the biz. Uh, and then I started building it out. So I built the that the Kiev panel first, so the top city. And it took me ages. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, I'm going to have to do this for like five other or four other cities. It's going to take me forever. And I, I just stuck with it and, and did it. But it, it was painful because this biz is just a load of um, images from PowerPoint. So all the text is in PowerPoint. I did the maps in Mapbox. So that's not, uh, they're, they're actually live, I think, uh, in in Mapbox, but everything else is just images and text put in as images. So it, it took forever. Um, I would not advise trying to build anything like this. Uh, at
0: least, at least my instincts were correct on this then, because <laughs> if you're going to say no, that's way that's way easy. I would have been like, oh yeah. man, I'm I'm not where I thought I was. But like looking <laughs> at this, I'm like, she did a whole lot of graphic design on this. That's painful.
1: Yeah. But it and I, yeah, off and I, in a and huge after, way. It did. And, I, you know, I just did it for fun in the end. I thought, you know, uh, and it was just that, you know, after doing that Kiev, I remember having the biz, just having that first, like, city. And uh, I was like, you know, I've, I've set myself up here. Um, I think I might at one point have thought I was going to do 59. I didn't quite know how that was going to fit on a page. Um, but, yeah, I quickly slimmed that down to five.
0: And and you chose the perfect amount. You chose a representative amount um, that you were able to do very well rather than doing a lot that you were too burned out on to do at a level of quality. Yeah,
1: but I'd say when I put this viz out, everyone was like, oh, you know, I just want to travel now. Like, it's really given me that that, you know, that bug.
0: That's how you know it worked. Anyway, we're getting towards the end of our time today. I've had so much fun talking with you. This has been the perfect thing for me after work today and hopefully a decent thing to put you to sleep uh, tonight <laughs> since we're five hours removed from each other. Um, is there anything you would like to shout out today? Anything you'd like to promote um, before we go?
1: Um, I'd just like to you know, shout out to everyone in the community. Thanks, Thank you for everyone for like getting behind Iron Quest because it wouldn't exist uh, if no one had participated in the first place. And it's just you know, the participation has just gone crazy uh, recently. I think this month will probably be our most popular month yet. So it's just really great to see people like enjoying it and having fun and improving their skills. So uh, that's really the only thing I want to do is just say thank you to everybody for all of their support. And thank you, Zach, for inviting me on today. I really appreciate it because I do remember back in January, you said you were never going to have me on because it broke all of your rules. I think, (laughs) I think were your words.
0: I break all the rules now, Sarah. There are no yeah. rules. We're in COVID. Rules life.
1: are out the window, right?
0: <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you for coming. Let's do this again soon.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you.